Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. Blessed thing to know a position before a Savior who is full of grace and truth. Amen? Wow, what a beautiful song service so far. You guys probably want me just to sit down and keep singing, right? That's what I thought. All right. We continue on with our sermon series, Encounters with Christ. Street-level Messiah. Street-level Messiah is the title for today's sermon. So please break out your Bibles, turn over to John 1, 29, and then after we read 29, we'll skip on down to 35 and read from there. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there's probably one in front of you, uh, a black uh, book right in front of you. Please open it. I I want you to study along. I want you to be like the Bereans. I I want you to make sure that whatever I say is true. Have an open heart and an open ear to listen and soak the Word of God up, but always, always verify that anything I say is truth. So let's read together. Starting at John, chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and saying, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The next day, John was there. We're down to verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed him. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? I imagine they were a little taken back at this. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Jesus has four attributes that I want you to see this morning in his dealing with these disciples. I want you to see that he was available. Then I want you to see that he is sensitive. And number three, I want you to see that he is creatively helpful to others. Available, sensitive, and creatively helpful. Jesus was available, and any man could be, to the world. John tells us that he became flesh. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John wants us to understand why, Preston, you got you a new girlfriend, didn't you? Quit sitting beside the other one and got you a new one. I see how that works. If, you all, if Preston hasn't introduced you to his granddaughter, you might want to ask. He likes to talk about it. You know, the last thing that John wants you to think is that God, he, he created the universe 
spun it up, threw it out, and walked away. That's called deism. He wants you to understand that God came as flesh to engage with his creation because he loved his creation. What we have here is a street-level Messiah who wants to be available and sensitive and creatively helpful in our lives. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. i got to tell you, often I have heard this preached and heard this read with all the excitement of someone competing in a navel-gazing contest. But I tell you, however John said this was so exciting that the next time he says it, that the disciples of John the Baptist leave John the Baptist and start following Christ. I want you to see Jesus was available to people. Christ was available then, and he's available today in our lives. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. He was available to Mary and Martha when their brother had died, right? In their hurt, Christ is available in our hearts today. He's available. And how about in our desperation? When Jairus pleaded earnestly for his daughter, Christ was available for him. Desperate, he comes to Christ saying, my little daughter is about to die. Please come lay your hands on her. He makes himself available to this synagogue leader. And who can, who can forget his availability uh, to the woman who is bleeding? Christ is trying to push her a crowd, get, get to Jairus' daughter, and suddenly a woman touches him on the hem of his garment and is healed. How easy it would have been that day just kept on walking, just kept on moving through the crowd. But Christ, who is the inventor of time, who conceived it, right? Had all the time in the world to turn and let this woman know, I see you. You're important. I know who you are and I know what you've done. You've put your faith in me, and now you've been blessed by your faith. Isn't that what we all want? A Christ who's available to us, who knows our heart's desire, which is to be known by God. And how about Christ making himself available to Nicodemus? Christ makes himself available to those who are just God-seekers. Those who just desire to know God better. Christ opens himself to those people. We still have a Savior 
that is accessible to us. If we look at Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who is ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. You see, we still serve a Savior who's available to us, who we can speak to and make requests to, and who will speak back through His Word and through the guidance of the Spirit. We serve a Savior who's available. This verse also lends itself right into our next point. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. He's saying we have a Savior who can empathize with us because he's been here and done that. Doesn't that make for some of the most sensitive people in the world? I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you I understand. But until I've really been there, until I've really gone through that, I really can't be sensitive. So you've got a Savior who really has been there and has been tempted in all ways and understands you serve a sensitive Savior. In our text today, we notice that Jesus is sensitive to the people around him. He's not just moving down the street, determined to accomplish his goals and his agenda, but people are his goals and his agenda. You see that? He's sensitive to people because his goal and his agenda is humanity. In our text this morning, Jesus has the perfect sensitive response. It's the most sensitive response that he could go with, right? It's an answer with an invitation. Where are you standing? Come. It's an invitation. And you will see. I'll give you knowledge. I'll let you know. It's the most sensitive thing that he could have said to them. But this is just a small inkling. Remember Zacchaeus? Christ was just passing through Jericho. He really didn't plan on staying he was, Scripture says he was just passing through. He could have ignored that little short, what I imagine to be a little Danny DeVito personality. I mean, he was up in a tree, right? How easy it would have been to just pass him by and never say a word to that little wart of a man, that traitor, that sinner. That guy who probably had a really irritating personality. 
that's what the world saw. But when Christ looked up into that tree, he saw a child of God who needed to be redeemed. And praise God, he does. For we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. Praise God that he's sensitive to our being stuck in a tree and needing him to respond. Amen? But think about the Canaanite, Syrophoenician woman. Jesus doesn't owe her anything. He's a Jew. She's a Canaanite, a natural-born enemy of the Jews. Everyone there in the room wants Jesus to throw her out. But Jesus is sensitive to her, so he enters into a meaningful conversation. And he heals the daughter. Let's take a look at a scripture that we hardly ever talk about, but shows the sensitivity of Jesus Christ. It's it's found in Luke 7, starting at verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to the town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he says, don't cry. Then he went and touched the briar. That's an open coffin. And they were crying, carrying, that they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. The pallbearers stood still with, to this open coffin. And he said, young man... I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What a beautiful act of sensitivity. Jesus comes into the town like a rock star. Everyone's around and everyone's listening to him. Everyone wants to hear what's the new words off the lips of this new rabbi. And i got to tell you, most of us would act like a rock star, like we were really important. Would we have noticed, would we have the sensitivity to notice this poor woman in a funeral procession leaving town? Christ did. It broke his heart. He saw this woman in her desperation. She is now disenfranchised if you don't see that let me point that out to you her husband had died and her only son had died and now she's not just a widow in the U.S. where you have social security and other other financial means no you're in Judea when your son dies and your husband dies and you're left alone you have no one to take care of you And Christ enters into her world and sees her pain because he's so sensitive that he can't stand the thought of this woman being alone and being disenfranchised. So he raises her son from the dead. This is Christ. 
Matthew tells us, and he's quoting Isaiah 43, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. What this scripture is telling us is that Christ is sensitive even to those bruised life who've been beaten down and they're just about to break. It's, it's this view of a reed that, that by itself it can withstand the wind, but when you, when you crush one side of it, when you bruise one side of it, it just takes a little bit to completely cripple it and fold it and kill it. It's like, a, it's like a little ember that just has a little bit of smoke coming out. What he's saying is, is Christ is going to be sensitive to those people who are just about to go out, who their ember of faith is just barely hanging on. And he's going to be tender with that. He's going to blow on that. And he's going to build that. It's inside his nature to take on those who have been bruised and those whose faith is waning. You serve a sensitive Savior. Number three, Jesus was creatively helpful. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they spent the rest of the day together. How much more helpful can you be that if you're looking for God to spend the rest of the day with Christ, because Christ is God incarnate, amen? How much more kind, how much more helpful can he be? That's the nature of Christ, to be creatively helpful. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, what do you mean by creatively helpful? Everyone is unique. Everyone is different. Let me tell you the story about Eleanor Bradley and people not being helpful. Eleanor Bradley, and Gabby's probably studied this in her psychology classes. Eleanor Bradley was one day shopping on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan came out of a store, and she tripped, and she fell, and she broke her leg. And she laid there, sat there on her side for one minute, and no one helped. Two minutes, no one came to her aid as she cried out in pain, asking, begging for help. Five minutes went by, Seth, and still no one came to her aid. Ten minutes. Anyone want to guess how long it took before someone came to her aid? Forty minutes until a taxi car driver happened to pull up on that curb and see her there and offer her help. Now, I know most of you sitting here this morning are thinking to yourself, well, had I been there? And I saw that. I'd come running to her. I would be creatively helpful with her. 
But the truth is, many of us have the same encounters come before us. And we say things like, I've got something else more important to do. Someone else will help. And that's selfish and arrogant. I'm really not equipped to help someone like that. That self-doubt. Yet Paul tells us that we're thoroughly equipped for every good. Let me try that again. Paul tells us that we're thoroughly equipped for every good work. Or maybe we come to her and say, she's not really hurting all that bad. I don't think. I think she could help herself. That's apathy. This tells us if we know to do good and don't do it, that's sin. Can I tell you, these excuses that we make, just like they made with Eleanor Bradley that day, that's what keeps us from doing kingdom work. That's what keeps us from spreading the kingdom of God everywhere. Just a little bit of a lack of availability, a lack of sensitivity, mixed with selfishness, arrogance, self-doubt, and apathy. That'll destroy our work. Sometimes I think that we confuse sympathy with mercy. And there's a huge difference. I try to look sympathy up in the Bible, and I couldn't find it in the New Testament. It's listed in the Old Testament, but it's really a poor translation. We didn't have another word for it, Chase. But mercy's there. You see, sympathy is to have feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. It doesn't do anything. It's just sympathy. Being sorry for someone, looking at someone, and just feeling pitiful for them. And can I tell you, as a minister, I see people who have perfected sympathy in their life. But they don't do anything with it. Can I tell you that Anna and I even kind of cringe when these perfected sympathy people come running to us. Because they want to talk about how sorry they feel for someone and how terrible it is. And then they want to tell Anna and I how we should help them. And they never try to be creatively helpful. Truth is, they never try to be merciful. See, mercy is totally different. Elieo is the Greek word. It's a verb. It does something. To help the afflicted, to bring help uh, to the wretched. In the New Testament, 50% of the time that Elieo is used, that mercy is used, it's someone calling out to Jesus to do something for them. When blind Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus had mercy on me, son of David, 
Do you think he was looking for something to be done or just a little bit of sympathy? No, he's desiring for creative helpfulness. I love, I love this idea and this translation. Mercy is a verb where the love of God manifests itself. Soak that up for a moment. Mercy is a verb where the love of God manifests itself. If you go home with anything today, go home with that on your lips. Jesus was creatively helpful. Jesus is merciful in different ways with different people because you all are unique. And every one of you has a unique need in life. Think about it. For Martha and Mary, he raised their brother from the dead. For the bleeding woman, she needed to have her faith realized by touching Christ's hem of her garment, of his garment. The leper of Matthew 8, it was simply the touch of Christ. For Levi and Zacchaeus, it was community and meals together. For Legion at the Gadareans and Mary Magdalene, it was an exorcism. Hope you're not needing that today. That was humorous. You can laugh. Thank you. Jesus was creatively helpful. He was then, and he is now. God will supply all your needs according to his riches in the glory of Christ Jesus. You see, you serve a Savior who is creatively helpful and knows just what you need and gives it to you in just the way you need it at just the right time. We Christians believe that God works everything to the good of those who love him. Amen? So just as I do at the end of all this series, will this change your life? First, I want you to see that Christ is available. He's available by speaking to him in prayer, available to listen to him as he speaks to us in Scripture and the leading of the Holy Spirit. He is sensitive to your needs. He knows what you need. And he's always looking to serve you and help you and mature you spiritually. And he is creatively helpful. Can I tell you there are times in my life that I have no idea what he's doing. And then I turn back around and I think, wow. He's creatively helpful and has manipulated everything so I'll be just where I need to be at the right time in life. And second, today I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, Don, Mr. Forsyth. I want to challenge you to be available to those who come into your life 
who need your attention, who need your mercy, who need your wisdom, who need your love. I want you to be more sensitive. I want you to be Christ-like and look for those who are in the tree. Look for those who need you, who need your attention, who need your sensitivity. Can I tell you, in the churches of Christ, we're really good about getting our doctrine right, but sometimes we could use a little bit of help with our sensitivity. And we need to focus our sensitivity on people. They should be our agenda. Amen? And finally, I want to challenge you to be creatively helpful. That means you may have to get out of your comfort zone. You may have to do new things that you've never done before. That's right. You may have to go into neighborhood hot dogs for the low income of Fayetteville so you might win some for Christ. You may have to get into some uncomfortable situations that you're not comfortable with to praise in a way and to worship in a way and to make God real in people's lives so they might see Jesus in you. Amen? Let's pray together. God, help us to be more like your son. Give us hearts that are willing to give of our time. Help us to look, really look, and to recognize the hurting and the lost around us so we might be Jesus to them. God, help us to manifest your love in our acts of mercy in creative ways that best serve the hurting. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand. I don't know where you are this morning. If there is anything that we can do for you spiritually, these pews in the front are open for you. There'll be at least one loving, kind elder at the back who is willing to pray with you and willing to help you with any spiritual need. I hope this morning has been an hour of sanctuary where you have felt the presence of God and the family of God with you. May you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit.